Hi, Jennifer. Good to have you on the show. Hey, it's great to be here. So um, for everyone who doesn't know you, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. So I uh, wrote a book called Sales in a New York Minute, and I love helping entrepreneurs and business people make more sales, build their businesses, build better relationships, build long-term customers, and have fun while doing it. Because selling doesn't have to be like sleazy or icky or uncomfortable or anything like that. But if you don't sell, you won't have a business. And so I quickly realized um, that selling is a skill and something that can be learned. And I love to teach it. So um, could you please share with us, like, how did you get into entrepreneurship or sales and selling and all those different things? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I was growing up, people would always ask me, what do you want to do when you're older? And, you know, most kids at a young age are like, oh, I want to be a doctor or a nurse or a firefighter or whatever. And I'm like, I'm going to own a business. <laughs> and people would were say, you, were your parents like entrepreneurs? Or? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they started a book printing, a book manufacturing business. And so then the next question, people, oh, your parents business. And I say, no, that's boring. <laughs> I don't want to print books. <laughs> um, little did I know that I would write a book that would need printing. But uh, yeah, so I just always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always knew I wanted to be a business person. And I just didn't know in what. And then when I went to work for a company and realized that I was like really good at selling, I was um, not in a sales role, but I convinced them to let me sell for 20% of my time. And in 20% of my time, I was selling more than people who were selling 100% of their time and were on the sales team. And so they, quickly, the VP of sales was like, okay, so you're on my team now. <laughs> and I realized How that- How old were you back then? Like, um, um, I was in my 20s. Uh, I was right from college. Yeah, yeah. And- and, uh, and I had worked all throughout school, like in entrepreneurial sales kind of businesses and, and roles. And then I was at this educational software company and making my way towards the sales team, trying to prove myself. And, um, and I realized like, I didn't just have a passion for selling and I equate selling to helping people. So you can actually like in my, um, language and my dictionary, I use those words interchangeably because I truly feel that if you have a product that you believe in wholeheartedly, if you don't put it out there, you're not helping them. Right. And so, and so I had this educational software product at the time that was helping kids learn how to read. So third and fourth graders who were drastically behind on reading we're learning how to read at grade level with my product. So it's like, how could I not call everybody I knew or didn't even know to tell them about the product, right? I would be putting them at it, all these kids at a disservice. And so that's one of the ways I look at selling is like, if you have a, an amazing belief system in something, then you got to share it. Mm. So um, what happened then? So I was at this company for six and a half years, and then I realized I was I was I loved helping other people. So I moved from salesperson to sales trainer, um, managed. I was in charge of half the team at that company at a very young age. All of my teams were making quota, 
And uh, that I was very proud of that. And I realized like I had this gift in teaching people how to make more sales. And so I decided to start my own business and it's called Sales in a New York Minute. And for those of you who are not from the US, it just means like sales like in a fast way because a New York Minute is usually like quicker than a real minute. And um, and then I founded that to teach to teach people all over the world how to make more sales. Mm. So um, before we talk about sales and all the important things that you've learned on sales and uh, on selling, um, could you please share with us, like looking back at, at your life right now, like um, what have been the worst moments for you and what have been the best moments for you? <laughs> well, I'm the crazy um, optimist, crazy positive attitude person. So I even look at the worst moments as the best learning opportunities. So those moments when in the moment they felt horrible, right? They felt like, oh man, what's going on here? You know, what do I do next? Those are actually the biggest opportunities for growth and for lessons. And so, um, you mean just like in life in general? Yeah, exactly. So I guess one of the worst moments for me was finding out that um, I didn't get accepted um, on like my first try to the school that I wanted to go to, to the college I wanted to go to. Now, that could have pushed me in two directions. I could have said, well, that's really the only college I want to go to, so I'm just not going to go to college. Or I could have said, um, well, they didn't accept me for the regular admission, but maybe there's something else they can do. Maybe there's another way to get in. Maybe I can I can do something else. And that's the route I took. But in the moment, it just was like, ah, oh, this was the school of my dreams, you know? And, and it was like all crushed with the, oh no, you know, even, well, it's a longer story than that. But so I went the route of let's figure this out. Let's mm. let's take it to the next level. Who can I talk to? What can I do? And I got in. Um, I started a semester late, which I thought was like the end of the world. And actually, it was cool because I got an opportunity to be home during that semester to work and take classes to still graduate on time. And by working, I went to college with some money and I learned so much in that job that I use on an everyday basis. And so it was actually a, a blessing in disguise. Hmm. And best moments that come to mind right now? Um, well, the immediate one is my wedding, which happened <laughs> last summer. Um, so that was pretty awesome. Another one is getting uh, two dogs and um, gaining a stepdaughter. I mean, I can go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's switch gears here. So um, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening to the show right now. And um, I think everyone who's listening to this would love to hear um, what have been for you the most important lessons on sales? Hmm. 
So one thing I like to say is help don't sell, show don't tell, prove like hell. And I'm going to break that down for you. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of business people, what I see happening with people I coach is they get into entrepreneurship because there's um, something they're really good at. There's a product. They're really great at baking a cake. Or, and then they open a cake shop, you know, or they have this amazing product and so they go and create it. But what happens is you can't just have an amazing product, you also have to sell. And for a lot of these people that I've worked with, they don't really like that word. And so that's why I go with help don't sell. So I learned this lesson really early on. Um, actually before I went to college, I was working in a retail shop and the, um, and it was an expensive neighborhood boutique and a customer walked in and I was helping her and she was buying all the things and she had this dress on and she was looking at it in the mirror and she asked me what I thought. And my manager quickly called me over and she said, Jen, do not let her buy that dress. I was like, what? But it's like $400. Like, I'm already counting my commission. What do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, if she goes home in that dress, she's going to show it to her friends. It looks terrible on her. They're going to ask her, where'd you get that? And she's going to tell them. And then two things are going to happen. One, she's going to come back and return it because they're going to tell her it looks terrible on her. She's never going to show well, three things. She's never going to shop here again because she won't trust you and her friends won't shop here again. We are a neighborhood boutique and we rely on our neighbors. So we need her on repeat customers. And so go find her something else. So I walked back over to her and I was like, oh, OK, so, hey, you were asking about that dress. Um, it's okay, but I actually think I have something even better. Let me go get it for you. And so I went and grabbed something knowing her fit that would look way better on her. And it did. She bought it and she became a repeat customer for life. And what I realized in, or my lifetime at that store, what I realized in that moment is it's not about you know, like, don't think of it. I was thinking of it when I was in my teens as selling, but I had to reframe to think about it as helping. I was actually helping her buy things that made her look good. And if I thought about it as selling, I would have been pushy. I would have been, I would have sold everything I could and she would have never returned. Mm -hmm. And so her lifetime value, because I came from an approach of helping was massive. Yeah. A, a very powerful story, and I always tell my listeners that um, being ethical or being honest um, doesn't pay in the short term, but um, long term, you'll be way better off. So yes. um, I think this story really shows how um, thinking long term is a better decision because I think like nowadays there's so, so many people, especially online, selling uh, educational products or coaching products, and um, they're just trying to make a quick buck. And yes. um, most people don't really think about, uh, okay, how, what am what am I doing in five years or ten years, uh, even more than that? And um, I think it's so important to to think long term and say it. So, 
I totally agree. Totally agree. And and I, I also like to build relationships. So now that I'm not young and new anymore, um, <laughs> I still I think about it all the time now. Like if I were to. By build the way, a but but you come you come come across like very young. Oh, okay. Young. <laughs> well, yes. I like your vibe. So <laughs> thank you, thank you. According to my ten-year-old stepdaughter, if I if I create a TikTok account and do dances, I'll go viral because old people go viral when they dance. <laughs> I was dying laughing when she said that to me. <laughs> anyway, so um, so yeah, so I just I think about the long-term customer relationship rather than the short-term gain. And if you think long-term, like you're saying, not only are you going to win every time, but the customer is going to win too. So it's a total win. Okay, so that's the first part, help, don't sell. The second part is show, don't tell. And with that, and I learned this lesson when I was selling Cutco knives. And I don't know if you've ever seen those knives, but... No. <laughs> They're, they are literally, and this is decades later, the best knives, kitchen knives on the planet. Okay? okay. They're really that good, and they have a lifetime guarantee. How are they called? Perfect. How are they called? Cutco. C-U-T-C-O. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a company that trains high school, college, and college kids, basically, to sell and to sell to your network and then to go get referrals from that network. And so... One of the things um, that we sold was a scissor and the scissors like would cut through a penny and we would do this whole demonstration that our scissors are tougher than your scissors. And look how easy it would be to cut through chicken if you're trying to do that or something in the kitchen if you had ours. And so I would go into people's houses and I would bring a whole kit of knives. Now, if I had just shown up and said, hey, I have the best knives on the planet, um, what do you cook? Let's, you know, talk about that. And like, let me show you my knives. It really wouldn't have been as effective as what I did instead, which was, I said, Hey, let me see your knives. Mm. And I would bring their knives to the table. Compare their knives, basically. Yeah. And exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would bring like a, a, a vegetable or something like an onion or something, a potato or something you have to cut, you know? And I would show them how much safer it is, how much easier it is to use our knives, how much simpler it is to clean it. I would show them the whole process and how it would save them time, make their lives easier. And by the, and they'd be cutting it, they'd be getting into it, they'd be part of the demonstration, they wouldn't just be watching. And I would be painting that picture for them of like, oh, finding out what else do you cook and, and showing them how this would fit in their lives that by the time it was time to ask for the sale, I sort of already knew which ones they wanted, which ones they liked. I could put together a great offer for them of, of a package deal of, you know, a, you can have this box set of knives <laughs> <laughs> and steak knives too. <laughs> but, um, but for real, and so it was all because I didn't just walk in there and tell them how great they were. Mm. I showed them. Uh, and so, and so that's easy to do when you have a physical product. When, you, when you're selling something like, I don't want to call it air, but when you're selling something like coaching, right? <laughs> air. Like a, on the internet, that's basically air because how do you sell the kill? Like, 
you can't like show me the coaching. Um, but what you can do is you can show through stories and you can paint that picture through a story and through voice of customer and through screenshots of, of testimonials. And so that actually brings me to number three, which is prove like hell. And so it's not just about. And by the way, I have to add here for all the young mares who are listening to this right now. I think this also applies to the dating space where people are like bragging all the time to the girls that they are meeting instead of like, hey, eventually she will uh, get it that you're a cool guy. You don't have to talk about it. So, um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just show it. Don't say yeah. it. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, and so the last one is prove like hell, which is all about using your voice of customer, using screenshots of what they've said to really, or video to really demonstrate how good you are. Because my husband says when you he has a great quote and it's something like when you say something great about yourself, it's bragging. But when others say it about yourself, it's proof. And that's from mm -hmm. Jeffrey Gittem. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's so true. And yeah. so, and so, you know, in order to prove that people in order, so people need evidence that they're, when they're going to invest money with you, it's going to give them the transformation that they're hoping for. And the only way to give them evidence, because they don't know you most of the time, right? So, and why are they going to take your word for it? Like, who are you to give them your word? <laughs> so, so instead, rather, like, show them what the people are saying. I, I booked this trip to Bali, and it's with this girl who I follow on Instagram, the Manifestation Babe. And last year on her Bali trip, You know, she showed the journey. People like to see the journey. So she showed what was going on with these 10 girls in her in the villa that she runs for the week. But on the second to last day, when she opened cart to sell her trip for this year, for 2020, the girls who were on her trip did an Instagram takeover. Now, she sold out a 10 person trip and a very what I would consider expensive rate to go to Bali <laughs> in one day, one day. The reason being, she wasn't saying how great it was. She had done the help. She helped those people. She showed the journeys and their transformations. Mm -hmm. And then on the very last day, they did this Instagram takeover where they were interviewing each other talking about how great it was and why you need to secure your spot on this trip. And then every couple of hours, it would be like, oh, six spots left, five, four spots left. And then there were like one spot left. And I'm like, it's urgency. mine, it's yeah. mine, I have to get it. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, it's, yes, she created urgency. And so that's, that's a big part of the formula nowadays too, online and even in stores. But um, the social proof here, seeing these girls on their journey and then hearing them talk about and really open up and be authentic and real and vulnerable about yeah. the transformation made me want to buy. Just like if you 
the listener, if you were to do this with your customers, yeah. like do a podcast where you have case studies and you interview your customers, do a video, um, do a Facebook live where you're interviewing or Instagram live where you're interviewing your customers and talking about how you've helped them. Just ask them questions. They'll, they'll probably be your biggest supporter and want to talk great about you. Yeah. And so showing that is so just necessary in today's day. And what I see a lot of people do is they actually like um, copy what the person says and put it in their pretty design format. And it takes away the entire authenticity of it. People want to see their Facebook image with their name crossed out with the actual quote. People want to see the th the comment they wrote on Instagram with their name crossed out, like and as a screenshot, because that is just so much more real than you just taking their text. And people, mm. I think, right now are looking for real. They're trying to cut through the BS. Yeah. And I think. Um, Understanding the power of social proof is so important for everything in life. For instance, you see it all the time with the big companies. They're saying like, "We are serving a million customers," and they have all the all the numbers uh, across their website. And for instance, I was also just thinking about my own podcast. Like for instance, I'm the same person I was like at my first episode. But nowadays, like getting new people for the podcast is very easy because I can show everyone like, hey. I've done 240 episodes in English and 50 in German. So, um, Whoa, so that's cool. <laughs> thanks. So, um, I think understanding this power of social proof is so, so important for influencing people in general. So, uh, yes, yeah. totally. <laughs> so those are my three big lessons for you. Hmm. So what are a few uh, sales techniques or um, sales learnings that you've had that might be very controversial or that you are usually not talking about? So one of the things that I think is um, somewhat controversial is that People want sales confidence. I actually interviewed a whole bunch of entrepreneurs and on a Zoom individually. And I said, if I could wave a magic wand and give you one thing, what would that thing be? Like if I could teach you one thing and they all said, I want sales confidence. I want more. I, they all said it differently, but like I want to be more confident in selling. I want to feel like I can walk in there and sell. And I would argue you don't need sales confidence, you need sales skills. Because if you have sales skills and the person says no, which would ultimately shatter a person's confidence, if you have sales skills, then you can easily be, you can easily recover and be more resilient. And so what are the most important sales skills that you need? And by the way, those skills are going to lead to confidence because you're going to be like, oh, he said no, I know what to do now. You know, or like, no is actually a good thing. I don't need to take it personally. I can just move on. I, that means I don't need to waste my time following up with someone who's doesn't want to tell me no, like no so much better than not getting an answer. And, and people don't even, um, think that like they'd rather sometimes not get an answer, but then they're wasting their time following up with someone who's not interested. Mm. So so, so one of the controversial things is no can be good. And another controversial, 
thing is that you don't need sales confidence, you need sales skills. And so with sales skills, it's all about building relationships, building rapport, um, you know, really making that personal connection because people don't buy from people they don't like or trust. And obviously if they're going to like or trust you, they have to kind of know you. And so you have to build this baseline and, um, and build rapport. And how do you build rapport? Well, you have to be open and authentic and genuine and ask questions and be a good listener. And so it's all about, to me, it's all about building relationships. So by the time it's time to ask for the sale, it just comes so easily. Hmm. So what you're trying to say is that um, confidence is a byproduct of uh, being good at sales, right? Yeah, well, sales confidence, yeah. Yeah, sales confidence. Yeah. And I can I can totally agree with that because I think um, if you're trying to be confident, you won't be confident. It's like, it, for instance, like most people would tell me I'm confident, but I'm never thinking about being confident, like never. Like, right. It's, I, <laughs> right. Yeah. It comes from experience. Yeah, it comes exactly. from being I'm told I'm never no. thinking, yeah. <laughs> But people want, literally, people want to wave a magic wand and all of a sudden, poof, now they have sales confidence. Like, that's just not <laughs> how it works. Yeah. And plus, if I could do that, like, if I had this magical superpower and I could give you sales confidence, I would be doing you a disservice because you wouldn't have the skills that you need for when something happens. And the most important thing you can do when, you, when you're an entrepreneur, when you own a business, you need to be resilient. I mean, we've all seen those charts online where they're like a day in the life of an entrepreneur and it's like high peak, low, high, low, high, low. And it's like all over the place. Right. And the only way to get back to the top is by being resilient. Mm, and um, I also think that um, you get resilient eventually if you are getting a lot of no's. Like I think um, eventually you will grow a thick skin if you're long enough in sales. I think at the start, a lot of people are struggling with rejections and they're really afraid of rejections. But uh, um, with more experience, I think um, they eventually grow a thicker skin. So um, Yeah, I think it's also um, at some point, and hopefully it's very early on, you learn to not take it personally. If someone says no to you to buy your product, that doesn't mean they don't like you're a bad person or yeah. it has no impact on who you are. It just means that that they didn't see the value in buying that product. Now, could you do a better job delivering the value? Maybe. I don't I don't know. I, you know, I'd have to coach you to find out, but like it, it's not personal. And once you realize it's not personal, like when I was selling educational software, if people said no to me, I, I changed the, and I, I write about it in my book, but I changed the no to stand for next opportunity so that mm. I could reframe it and look at it in a positive way. Like, okay, he said, no, I'm on to the next, like, let me go get the next person, you know, like, like it's nothing personal. And so you don't even have to develop thick skin if you realize that early on. Mm, 
Yeah, and I think um, if you really want to make a sale and if you have like a high desire of uh, for selling your product, like you will also not really care about getting a lot of no's. You will just get the job done. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, are you also, for instance, like on social media and with a lot of experts on persuasion and selling, they're also talking about things like anchoring, for instance, where you where you are stating like a very high price to just have a bigger leeway to negotiate. So um, are you also thinking about those things? And um, yeah. So I think anchoring is... Um, a technique that people came out with a long time ago that unfortunately people misuse nowadays. Mm -hmm. However, I do feel that it's important when you're selling something anywhere, whether it's online or in a store to frame it so that people understand the value. Do you often see online two or three different options or let's say two options with a comparison chart? Yes, of course. Do you often see online the like, I'm going to give you $60,000 worth of value for $9.97? <laughs> yes, of course. It's always $9.97, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is, right? But here's the deal. People want a deal. People yeah. want to feel like it's an emotional thing. It's a psychological thing. People want to feel like they're getting a deal. And if that's what people need to get the transformation you're delivering to them, then give them a deal. Make yeah, okay. them feel like they're getting their money's worth. Mm -hmm. If you want to call it anchoring or whatever, okay. I think that's kind of an old technique. But I do see the value in showing them what they're going to get and what it's valued at. Like if you were to buy all these things individually, this is what you'd spend. I'm bundling it all together, giving you these bonuses. And if they're actually really good bonuses, then tell them, mm. you know, it's just, it's the, it's the few people who don't deliver on their promises that give that kind of technique a bad name. Yeah, and I also think um, I once heard that uh, manipulation is when you have bad intentions, and leadership is when you have good intentions. So, um, a lot of a lot of people have like really um, they have a really negative mindset towards all those techniques. But um, I think if your product is really serving other people and is really helping them, I think there's nothing wrong with uh, trying to really make the sale. So. Yeah, and I think right now, in order to sell things online, you have to be a person of influence. And I'm not talking yeah. like you have to be the biggest person of influence. Like you have to be like, you know, I can name these big characters that everyone knows, but you have to have an ability to influence the people, your audience. And you have a choice because you can use influence in a manipulative way yeah. and you can use influence in a positive way exactly. and once you know how to influence and that's why they call them influencers right they're influencing people to do something to take an action to buy something to wear something to to do some silly dance whatever it may be right yeah. but but um you know it's all about how you choose to use your power of influence and for me i want to use it for good um, you know, and, and you have to set that intention. Sure. So, um, 
What are like are you on a daily basis, for instance, also thinking about sales techniques or um yeah? Mm. I And think be about honest. I think about digital marketing techniques on a daily basis because I'm I'm really in that world right now, the digital marketing world. And so and it's selling for sure. Um, I think about growing an audience on a daily basis and what I can do to serve that audience. Mm -hmm. And whenever I come across something that's like either really good with service or really bad with service, I think about how they could have handled it or how they handled it. Um, yesterday I ordered a food delivery and they forgot one of my items and I called the store and said, Hey, um, my lunch is missing. And they said, oh, okay, just uh, you request it on the app. You can get a refund. Mm. And I said, so should I just go hungry? <laughs> <laughs> Very direct and blunt, yeah. Like, well, yeah, I am. <laughs> but I'm like, <laughs> okay, thanks for my money back. But, like, I've waited 30 minutes for this food. Yeah. Like, now what? So, so should I just go hungry? And the lady goes, hmm, all right, I'll just bring it over to you. Where are you at? And she, she, within like 10 minutes, because I only live a few minutes away from this place, within 10 minutes, she brought me my lunch. And you know what? I handed her a $5 bill as a thank you. And she was, it was like I had given her 50 bucks. <laughs> I mean, she was just so grateful for that $5 that I was like, whoa, I should have given her 10. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, like it, it was so cool yeah. to see that. But she, in my mind, she did the right thing. Mm. You know, she fixed it. And so I think about sales and service as it occurs to me when I'm buying something, when I'm selling something. Um, this week, I've been negotiating a $25,000 deal. And the customer wants to do the entire negotiation on email. And that's very frustrating to me because I'm a phone get immediate feedback, you know, pivot if I need to take the conversation where we need to go kind of person. And so every time I call her, she sends me back an email and it basically says, hey, I'm really busy and I have a lot of meetings. Could we talk about this over email? So I got the gist that she didn't want to connect with me by phone. And um And, you know, I have to reread everything to think about how is she going to hear this? Because I'm not saying it, you know, with my my tone and inflection. Mm -hmm. And it's so it's a harder sale for me because I'm not used to communicating all the negotiation that way. And so, like, when I'm selling or when I'm buying, I'm thinking about sales strategies 100 percent, you know. But if I'm just like, I don't know, hanging out, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this is also a great lesson for our listeners because I think you can especially see it like in the coaching space where um, at one point uh, a lot of people were using uh, webinars to sell their product, but um, eventually a lot of digital marketers found out, okay, if I'm really selling a, a high-end high, high, high coaching product, um, probably I should uh, be selling it over phone because um, you can uh, handle objections objections way easier over the phone and um, yeah. persuades the person a lot easier than uh, via a webinar. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, for high ticket, you have to have some sort of phone conversation. You have to hear what they're looking for. And here's the deal with high ticket. They may not be the right customer for you. 
And you have to be able to tell them, hey, I don't think I'm the right person to help you, you know, or we're not going to be a good client fit. Like I had a guy call me, oh man. And he was just like very just um, rude. I don't know how else to say it. Like he was just, it wasn't direct. It was like condescending and rude and he Mm. wanted to hire me. Passive aggressive. Kind of, yeah. And I didn't really care how much money he wanted to pay me. Like, I don't need that kind of aggravation. Yeah. And so I was like, hey, I don't I, I'm not taking new new um new coaching clients right now. Because actually at the time I wasn't. And he said, Oh, okay, well, uh, when will you be? I'm like, I don't know. And <laughs> I don't notice I'm not saying like I'll let you know. I'm just Uh, like, I don't know. And then, you know, it got down to the (laughs) point where finally I was just like, you know, I don't know that we're going to be the best fit. I don't think I'm the right coach for you. And I want to make sure that anyone I take on, I'm going to get them results. And I don't think that like we're going to mesh working together, which made him want to work with me even more, which was not my intention, right? Because people want what they can't have. So I was just like, I had to like nip it in the bud, but Um, yeah, I think those one-on-one calls are so important because like you said, like you can have that back and forth conversation. You can get those reactions. You can ask the right questions. So you know what they're hoping for. So you can determine if you're the right person for them, because it's, it's that call is as much them figuring out if I'm the right person for them as me figuring out if they're the right client for me. Totally. And I think most entrepreneurs only see the money and um, they don't really see the opportunity cost. For instance, we also had like um, a really high maintenance, low paying client we fired uh, at the start of the month. And um, we were also like, okay, this client isn't like the perfect fit, but um, whatever. Like, um, (laughs) but um, eventually she turned out like to be so high maintenance and Mm -hmm. we, we, we knew it like from the beginning that she has high maintenance but um Mm -hmm. yeah we did it anyways and um i think it's also really important to think about okay what's the opportunity cost if i'm investing so much time in this client i won't be getting either new clients or spending time with the right people or um so i think um yeah just uh not taking on everybody is like a really important lesson for for everyone yeah for sure so um could you please give us a, a glimpse of the things that you are thinking about on a daily basis on digital marketing? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I look at how other people of influence are marketing themselves so that I can learn better strategies. So, like, are people doing webinars like you talked about or a lot of people now are doing live launches where they're doing these live videos or yeah challenge launches where they're doing these challenges and I see pros and cons to both of them. Um, but you know, I, I study, I'm like a student of it and I implement it. I don't just study it. I put it into action, right? So at the end of the year for my husband's company, we launched the same thing over a couple of months, three different times resulting in $100,000 of business. And I'm not telling you the number to brag. I'm telling you the number because it achieved results. And so I know something's working. Mm. And what I now do is I, I do a debrief and I look at, okay, what worked? What went well? What do we need to change? And I don't go change like 10 different things. I change one or two things. 
and then we do it again. And then we'll change one or two things. And then we'll do it again until it's bringing in the kind of revenue that we're really hoping for and all the students that we're really hoping for. And then we'll turn it evergreen. And, and, and could, yeah. And um, could you please tell us about um, yeah, uh, what is what does the pattern look like that you are actually uh, that you are seeing nowadays on uh, making a successful product launch or selling courses or coaching products? Like, um, speak about the pattern about okay. like, things that are working and things that are not working. So yeah, so this is the biggest thing that um, happens. Someone has an idea and they want to launch it online. So they're like, I'm going to go live. I'm going to do this launch. And they put all their energy into the launch. Mm. And to actually two things happen. Sometimes people develop their entire product first. Well, you don't even know if that's what people want. Yeah. And so Again, in my mistake, opinion, I would say, <laughs> yeah, that's a huge mistake. And so what, in my opinion, develop the first round live with your people who are going to join, make sure it's what they want, make sure it's based around real people's needs. And then you can tweak it for the second round. And a lot of people who are early adopters in general are excited to get in on that phase so that they know it's less money and they get more one-on-one -on -one with you. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so that's like a big thing that I teach when I'm coaching other clients on how to do this. Another big thing. And, um, This is very common is people put so much energy and effort into the launch, but they haven't nurtured their audience. And so their pre-launch or their launch runway, as you might call it, um, is non-existent. Mm -hmm. So like I'm launching a product, I'm launching a course in March and this month I'm going live every single day on my business page. And I'm doing every single thing. day. Yeah, because I was like scared of Facebook Live and I was like, I'm breaking through this fear. <laughs> What is this? <laughs> It's funny because I'm not That scared of Facebook like a lot Live. Of work. <laughs> I'm not scared of Facebook Live with other people, but for some reason, like solo, I had this big fear of it. So just for <laughs> me, like I gave myself a personal challenge, but um, other people, you might go live two times a week or once a week. Okay. And then with that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm doing ads to get more people into my sphere because I'm pivoting from, I'm, I'm known in the sales world and now I'm pivoting to help entrepreneurs. And so I have to put myself out there and speak to entrepreneurs. And so, um, my launch technically started last week. Now, no one knows. I'm not going to mention the course, right, that I'm launching it's in March. Yeah. It's our secret. <laughs> But I'm not going to mention it on these videos. And I might show glimpses into what I'm working on to get people because people like to see the journey. But I'm not going to pitch anything until the end of March. And some people may say, well, that's a really long time. Well, yeah, you need time to build trust. People don't just like see you once and then all of a sudden they trust you and they want to work with you. No, people need to see you over and over and the consistency of seeing you every week and getting information from you, you know, that they can use is invaluable. And that's when they're like, okay, well, Jen is like my friend now, so I want to work with her, you know, and they, and they feel that connection. And so, um, 
I guess what I'm trying to say, even though very long winded, is that people just show up for their launch, but they haven't done the audience building part. They haven't done the pre-launch part to get people excited about what's coming. Yeah, and I think uh, repetition is so, so important, like you've mentioned, because um, you can see it everywhere. For instance, I was just thinking about uh, the biggest brands in the world, like, uh, for instance, McDonald's, like they're advertising everywhere here in Germany, in in Italy, in the US, and you can see them everywhere online, whether it's like yeah. uh, TV and uh, because they also know it's so important or Apple um, because they also know it's so important to um, be constantly on the mind of everyone. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the repetition part is like really, really important for everyone to understand. Yes, and it's repetition with the same thing. So what I see happen is entrepreneur launches product. It doesn't do the sales they want. So they're like, all right, I'm going to try this other thing. Well, McDonald's doesn't say I'm going to I'm going to launch a hamburger. It doesn't work. I'm going to do a chicken sandwich. No, they mm -hmm. tweak the hamburger until they have the perfect hamburger. Mm -hmm. OK, and so it's the same thing in the online space. Like you don't need to have 60 different products. Figure out a product. If you've built it around people, then it's going to work. Figure out a product that works and rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. Learn something take it, do it a little better the following time. So like the first launch, you have, you have so much to do, right? You have the emails, you have the whatever mechanism you're doing, the webinar, the challenge video, whatever the videos are, you have all these things. But on the second launch, now you have that baseline and all you need to do is tweak it. And so, and, and you need to look at data. Like I'm like a scientist doing these experiments to see what's working and that's what you need to do right like okay well the open rate on this one was really low let's try changing the subject line the mm. click rate on this one was low let's improve that like all it takes is studying the data to figure out what's working and what's not working mm. so um jen at the end i always ask five questions to every yeah guest. but um before i ask those five questions um could you please give everyone who's listening to this your best advice on uh, sales and digital marketing like what would you tell our audience at this point in our conversation just be real and have fun be real <laughs> help people have fun and if you do that you're gonna win every day because it's it's gonna be fun <laughs> <laughs> so um why can people connect with you on the social webs work with you and so on and so forth yeah find me on instagram i'm at jen gittimer and i'm super active there just dm me or tag me if you listen to this podcast tag me on the screenshot i'll connect with you and uh i'm i'm you know on facebook i'm on every social platform pretty much except twitter i don't love twitter but I'm just Jen Gittimer. <laughs> so um, the first of the five question is, uh, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? Okay, so one of them is definitely The Little Engine That Could from growing up. And for those of you who are unaware, The Little Engine, the one that could, is a female. And if you read that book super closely, they refer to her one time in the book as she. And so that's how you know. <laughs> and so um, I think it's just really inspiring for kids and adults um, to reread that every once in a while. 
The next book would probably be, um, oh man, I'm like blanking on the name. <laughs> and my library is upstairs, so I can't oh, even, okay. like, cheat and look behind me. Um, but uh, I like old sales books. So my husband mm. is a collector of books. And what I do is like I go in the library and just read these old books that were written in the 20s and the 30s. Mm. And the concepts, honestly, are still the same. And so I love things by Napoleon Hill. I love mm. things by Dale Carnegie. And there's various other authors that it's so hard to choose like a favorite book. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the second question is, uh, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? Okay, so I have this weird thing where I always forget the name of a movie and if I've seen it. <laughs> I think it's because half the time I fall asleep during movies, but the other half the time I just like forget. And so Gabrielle, our 10 year old will be like, Jen, have you watched this? I'm like, I don't know. And then five minutes into it, I'll be like, Oh, I've seen this. This is the movie where this happens and that happens. But um, I'll say that lately in the past couple of years, all of the movies I've watched have been like Disney or Pixar movies. And like, Except for The Greatest Showman, which was a great movie. Um, but just those movies make you think, and there's lessons in all of them. And they say they're for kids, but I don't think they're really for kids. I think that they're for for kids on the surface level. And if you really want to go deeper, you need to be an adult and see the the life lessons that they're giving you. So... I'm not going to give you any names because I don't remember names of movies. But <laughs> if you want a great lesson, go see a kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the third question is, uh, what are the the most important? Uh, what are, what have been the most? What has been the most useful or um, important product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Whew. Um. I buy a lot of things. <laughs> so I think um, my iPhone is probably one of the most important because I use it all the time every day. The new uh, one? Or? Yeah, I, have the, I always get the new one. I've had every version. I always get the new one. I like having um, crazy like that. People call it a waste of money. I don't think so because to me, it's my business tool. Right. And it keeps me connected to everything. And so I want the latest and greatest camera and I want all the bells and whistles and I love technology. So I would say like anything technology, um, I love Notability, which is an app on the iPad. I think it's a great uh, note taking app and um, a silly product, maybe like a beauty product that I thought was freaking phenomenal that I just bought is this thing called Baby Feet. And they're like these booties and you put them on your feet. And so I did that. I did a whole Instagram story about it uh, last week. And then you sit for an hour with them on your feet. And then in like a couple of days, your feet are supposed to basically like shed a layer of skin and become like baby feet again. And I was like, there's no way that for $25, that's gonna do this for me. And the lady in the store was like, listen, Trust me, they're that good. 
So I take them home. My husband's on a work trip and I'm like, I'm going to sit with my feet up in these booties. And um, sure enough, exactly five days later, it all happened. And you can Google for these gross images of people's feet peeling. But um, <laughs> but um, it's amazing. And so now I'm buying it for everyone I know because I think it's like the coolest product out there. I hope they sponsor me one day. But <laughs> um, um, I just could not believe that there was an over-the-counter beauty product that could work that well. I just thought it was so cool. <laughs> so um, the first question is, um, what have been the most important realizations you've had in the last couple of years? And we had some guests who shared something deeply personal about their relationships, time, uh, their career, travel. So speak to anything you feel comfortable sharing with us today. Most important realizations. Okay, I'll give you two. Um, and they're kind of the polar opposites of each other. The first one is if there are people in your life, good friends, family members that are bringing you down, that are negative, that are not nice to you in some way, whatever it may be, their energy is not the energy that you should be surrounding yourself with. It's okay to let them go. Like it's okay to quote unquote, break up with a friend that's bringing you down. It's okay to stop talking to, in my opinion, to stop talking to a family member that's not treating you right. Friend and family <laughs> member, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I've had to make um, choices with certain family members in my life who um, just weren't good to me and kind of just take them out of my life. I don't know if it's forever, I don't know if it's for right now, but I know for my mental well-being that I couldn't surround myself with their negativity. And so it's not easy, you know, especially when um, it's a family member that people assume you should be close to, you know, like a parent or something like that. And so um, I just want people to know that it's okay. Like if you need that. to do that for you, give yourself that permission because you deserve to be treated right. And then the second thing I'll share is total polar opposite of that, which is when there's someone great in your life who's either inspired you like a teacher or a coach or a family member or given you love in a way that's like just so deep, you know, and just helped you in some significant way, tell them. Hmm. I was on a podcast yesterday and we were talking about like your Mount, this guy's thing was your Mount Rushmore of people. Like if you had to choose four people who would be on your Mount Rushmore, if you created one. And, um, when I was talking about the podcast later on with my husband at the end, we do like a wrap. And I said, one of those people, would be my grandma because she was just she basically raised me and she was the most loving best friend grandma care person encourager cheerleader you name it on the planet supporter 
And before she passed away, Jeffrey suggested that I write a letter to her and or I write an article about all the lessons that she taught me. And so I did that and I shared it with her and I framed it and sent it to her and she showed it to everyone she knew. (laughs) She made everyone she knew read it. Her (laughs) granddaughter would write this about her. And (laughs) for the two years or so that she had that document that she could physically hold in her life, and I gave it to her for her birthday one year as just a thank you, like a tribute to her, um, it meant the world to her. And by the way, I'm trying to get through this without crying because yesterday I just like water <laughs> Um, But it meant the world to her. And seeing that because she impacted me so much, seeing that I could tell her that and share that with her was just so Im- impactful in itself. And a lot of times we wait on people to pass to give their tribute and to talk about them at their funeral. And my message is don't wait until it's too late. If there's someone that's impacted you, tell them right now. Like, don't wait another minute. Tell them today because you never know what could happen. The last question for today is what would you tell your 20 year old self? Um, I would tell her. Uh, that you got this, like, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep finding the things you're passionate about, following those dreams, and you can make something of them. And don't ever be discouraged thinking like, oh, well, there's no money in that. I can't go into acting because there's no money in that. I can't be a dancer because there's no money in that. I can't do these things because those things don't, you know, don't support the lifestyle you want or the family or whatever, if you love something, you're going to do it with your whole heart. And it's not just going to bring you joy, but you'll find a way to make money out of it. And you'll find a way to make a career out of it. And so just to follow as corny as it sounds like really follow your dreams. Jen, (laughs) this was a blast. Thank you so much for the episode. (laughs) Thank you so much. This was so fun. (laughs) So uh, have a good day. See ya. Okay, you too. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out.